everybody, welcome to the Free Will Science and Religion podcast. My name is George Ortega. I'm here with Derek Schmelzer and Chandler Klebs. And today we're going to be exploring free will from the perspective of religion and most specifically from the attributes of God. We tend to believe that God is all-powerful, that God is all-knowing, you know, and, and God, God is infallible. So um, Derek, start us off. Uh, considering those attributes of God, how does that make free will impossible? Well, hypothetically, if um, there is a God uh, and he was all-knowing, all-powerful, then yeah, we he would know exactly what we're going to do uh, in, you know, five five minutes from now as well as, you know, ten years from now. And if he knows, if this is a strict deterministic universe where something will happen and there's no nothing we can do to change it, then, yeah, there's no free will, even in a religious sense. I mean, I, I would argue against the religious sense personally, but even if, yeah, if there is a God and he's all-knowing, like, that's how uh, all the stories go, you know, there's there's no way. Uh, it's, it's pretty conflicting because they say, you know, you choose your own path, but then God knows exactly what you're going to choose anyway, so there's really no choosing, really. I mean, yeah, and I, I've encountered this with people, too. They're like, well, God knows what we're we're choosing, but we're still freely choosing. And I and I've had this conversation with a compatibilist. They're like, that yeah, you can know exactly what someone will do if you know their personality, you know their desires, but there's still them choosing it, so they have free will. It's like, ugh. <laughs> Yeah. And again, the reason, so like, you know, most of us on this podcast who host the, this podcast are atheists. Most of us don't believe in God. You know, I, I happen to be a pantheist where I just equate God and the universe as synonymous. You know, God is all powerful. Well, the laws of nature are all powerful, whatever. So it's kind of like semantic distinction. But I mean, the reason, you know, we, we want to try to explain this within a theological context is like, for example, here in the United States, 80, 90 percent of people are spiritual. They believe in God or a higher power. So basically, we're, we're hypothetically using their arguments of God being all powerful, you know, God's will going and all, basically to show them that that free will is impossible. OK, so like um, now, Derek, um, so, like, um, explain that in terms of like, there's two ways to explain this. There's omniscience and omnipotence. Can can you um, again like reiterate just what why exactly you know if you have a sovereign, all-knowing God, you know that just makes free will conceptually impossible. I mean, there, there's there's no way it could exist. Is are, are you familiar with the Bible? Are there are there instances in the Bible that lead? Um, oh yeah. Okay, the lead. No, I, no, okay, okay. Let me, let me. Sorry, <laughs> before I, I know I can't. If it's a it's like a really strict question, it's hard for me to think. But like I, this I, is I, good. I, I'll go from this. Um, so yeah, no. In the Bible, I like to, I like to think of this. Um, I like to think about this. You know, in the Bible, you know, in in all, uh, you know, all throughout the Bible, God, God's doing things uh, because he he thinks a certain way about a situation. I, I don't know if this is directly. Uh, answering your your question, but it, it's just kind of funny because you know the you know Christians and uh, a lot of religious people not, don't like to think of God as like someone like us, like a like a human being with like a psychology. But everything points to God having a psychology and being basically a, a person. So like God, you know, does things. He does things because uh, you know Adam and Eve with the apple. So he reacted to that situation because he has sort of uh, certain sets of preferences in his, you know, God mind. 
basically is God's psychology. And he, he feels certain ways about, um, you know, what people do, uh, basically what Adam and Eve did. And then he chose to, you know, punish them or whatever the humans or, you know, he um, sent uh, Jesus down, his only son on the planet to, you know, relieve the sins of man or whatever, because, you know, he, he thought something because of X or Y, you know what I mean? So it's just like, it's just like human beings, the way we behave. Exactly. So, and, and what, what, what just makes it impossible for free will, for example, like God supposedly gives us commandments, you know, do this, don't do that. But God knows everything. He, he knows before he makes the commandments, what is going to, um, how we're going to, um, you know, react to them, whether we're going to fulfill them or not. And as a matter of fact, he gives us the attributes that allows them to uh, us to fulfill them or not. Um, basically, if, for example, like being deceived by the, the serpent in, in the Garden of Eden, um, if God had endowed Adam and Eve with one, more obedience, two, more intelligence to not be deceived, then obviously they wouldn't have been deceived. So again, like just the fact that God is not only responsible for what he tells us to do, but also responsible for how well we react to whatever, how well we react to reality, that just makes free will impossible. I, I love that point. I, I would love to add a little bit to it. Um, the whole how the capacity towards, uh, you know, thinking better in a situation or uh, having more obedience or, or whatnot. That, that's really interesting to think about. And this is actually where it gets a lot of people with, uh, you know, them not understanding us, not having free will. They think because uh, they have a certain capacity to make a educated decision because they have a capacity to think better, I guess, for, um, you know, the, uh, the a better outcome for themselves or their family or their friends or whatever, that that gives them free will. When in reality, your uh, capacity to make an intelligent decision is also uh, it, in a way deterministic and, uh, you know, not really free. Like there's no actual free will in it. And I, don't, I just think it's a, that's, that's like the second layer of, you know, it's like you have your preferences. You have like these drawers and drawers, thousands of drawers in your mind with, uh, you know, it's almost like when you're uh, going for a job, you know, those little sheets that say strongly agree, strongly disagree. You have, you have millions, you have billions of these these sheets of paper basically in your mind, you know, not not literally, but like symbolically that in certain situations, some drawers will open up and you use these preferences to make your decisions and like. It's almost like a filing cabinet is dedicated to this um, capacity for, you know, good knowledge of a situation. You know, you have more knowledge of a situation, like like you kind of uh, said, you know, you have more obedience. If they had more intelligence, then they could have made a better decision. And I think this is all a part of it. Like, that's that's where it confuses a lot of people, I think. But uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm rambling a little bit. Sorry. No, you're, you're, you're exactly correct. And uh, the point being that all these preferences, you know, what, what kind of food we like, what kind of music we like, what kinds of, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, a lot of it, some of it is learned. Some of it we, we learn from our parents, our culture, whatever. But whether it's learned, um, the, the fundamental capacities, our fundamental preferences, a lot of it is innate. A lot of it is genetic, and that means that comes that comes directly, you know, again, theologically from God. In other words, like, we didn't create ourselves. We didn't create, you know, some people, for example, you know, um, 
like to achieve certain things. And let's say, let's say, you know, the, the case of um, psychopathy, you know, some people basically just like, you know, are driven to just do what they want to do. And they're not as cognizant of, of let's say, morality, or whatever, or maybe they have a different, you know, view of morality that's common. And see, like, we don't get to decide that we don't get to decide what our genes and, and our, our brain is doing. Chandler, how's that sound so far? It all makes sense. Um, see, people really do get confused because um, – and it is a semantics game in a sort of way because what I'm saying is that you know, I say we don't really make choices, and a lot of people get really confused and like, well, we make choices all the time. And, and what I'm really trying to get at is that it's not that we made the choice because the situation – um, the current situation that we're in that forced us to make the choice anyway um, is, is, you know, not up to us, just as our biology and environment, you know, genetic conditioning, all the things that make us us isn't up to us. So basically, we don't make the decision because we don't choose who we is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, exactly. Right. This, we, is, this is really good. I like, I like thinking about that. Yeah. Yeah. See, because I, I didn't create myself. See, here's the deal. Like, like for example, um, l let's just say that um, it wasn't up to me that I would like the show My Little Pony. And here's what I mean is that I am not the first cause of, of My Little Pony because there's, pe there's people who got together and made that show, the voice actors, the musicians, the story writers. But they didn't make it up what a pony was. Horses already existed. Humans didn't create ponies. So that's the the whole point is that nobody's responsible for ponies because they didn't create them. So <laughs> so in a theological sense, well, God God created the ponies, so God's responsible for me watching My Little Pony. So you see how that works. <laughs> I want I want to explore you know basically why this is difficult for so many religious people, Christians, Jews, Muslims, to accept. And here's, I mean, because we have to deal with another, we have to like somehow package this or communicate it in a way that they, that they can appreciate it. I think one of the main things that prevents most religious people from accepting this is that like, if we um, conclude that God's will goes, that nobody has a free will. I mean, you know, all evidence po points to that. Then what that means is that we can no longer see God as omnibenevolent, as all good. You know, and, and like, you know, as a matter of fact, in, in, in Isaiah, God says it himself. He says, like, I create light, I create darkness, I create good, I create evil. So the question becomes, how can we kind of communicate this fact to, to religious people in a way that that is you know is acceptable to them in a way that you know they can um, they can understand and then like you know relate to free will and understand and accept how you know free will is impossible. Well, George, you know I'd have to say there is no acceptable way because they need to believe that God is good and that's that's what keeps them from getting it and see. What I, you know, I came to, even before the free will thing, I came to the conclusion that if God existed, God could not be all good because God did create evil, you know. Um, so that, so that's, I think, what causes them to resist it. But like you pointed out, their, even, their own Bible will tell them that God's not all good. And, 
Yeah, this I think this is part of the problem. I think it's part of of why um, the traditional monotheistic God doesn't work for me, and partly even why pantheism doesn't quite work for me because there's there's no consistent will of will of God because basically it comes down to that according to that understanding, God is just randomly good or evil. Like God's sometimes nice, sometimes he's mean and sends you to hell. Like, you know what I mean? It's like it just makes no sense. All right. Um, Chan, let me present um, a line of reasoning that may allow them to accept it. Um, basically, let's, let's move away from theology to, to physics and logic. In other words, like we understand that the reason human beings don't have a free will is because of this principle, this law of causality, cause and effect. That means that everything we do, every decision we make, has a cause, and there's a cause to that, and there's a cause to that. And this chain of cause and effect regresses back to before we were born. That's what makes free will impossible for us. But it keeps regressing back to, like, you know, before the galaxy was created, before, uh, to the Big Bang and whatever comes um, before that. All right, now apply this causality, because I, I think causality, it's not just a scientific law. I think it's a, a logical, rational principle. You know, things just don't happen without their being caused. So guys, apply this to God. If, let's say, you know, God makes us, because we don't have a free will, you know, just start this war against each other, and people are killing each other, all these atrocities that most religious people don't want to attribute to God. If we use the same reasoning that absolves us of, of accountability, of responsibility, because we don't have a free will, we, if we use this to God, then we can say, well, wait a minute, like, because this chain of cause and effect keeps going back endlessly into the past, we can never arrive at, at a precise moment in time or before time, whatever, where God decided, well, yeah, I, I'm going to, like, make these um, human beings, you know, go to war and, and commit atrocities. So essentially, the, the same kind of reasoning that absolves us of fundamental moral responsibility, you know, because it, 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 it denies us free will, can also apply to God. Derek, how's that sound? Um, okay, well, I don't necessarily know how to respond about how it applies to God, but I do really like your point about the, the causality, you know, going back before we're even born, because essentially, uh, in, in reality, the only real way anything happens is cause and effect, and arguably, uh, you know, chaos or, or randomness, which I would personally argue against, but even if it is a, a feasible way something happens, I mean, just using simple logic, simple common sense would, would tell you that, you know, in cause and effect, there's no freedom. Um, you know, cause and effect, uh, you think about some kind of physical law, you think about throwing a rock in the air, the rock doesn't have freedom to keep floating off into space, it's gonna, you know, be driven back to the earth uh, from, you know, gravity and mass and whatever. And then, uh, you know, so, you know, on the that end of the spectrum, on uh, the process and cause and effect end of the spectrum, there's nothing more processy than process itself, you know, with, when an object is adhering to uh, physical, natural laws, then, uh, you know, it, it has no actual freedom. It's more like the the game piece that's being driven by all these these factors. And so on that end, there's no freedom. And we're, we're essentially like the game piece, and we're being driven by all these preferences, by all these factors. But even if you wanted to mix a little chaos in this with... Um, 
I'm sorry to bring in subatomic particles. I just no, it's fine. I love to do it. (laughs) Uh, I don't really know much about subatomic particles personally, but you know, I I hear that they might have some sort of chaos element to them, some sort of randomness. But even if uh, actual actual chaos, actual randomness did exist in the universe, uh, chaos itself doesn't have freedom either. So if you even mix um, these particles uh, that somehow could actually affect these. natural mechanics in life, um, then there would still be no freedom because you take the no freedom from the cause and effect and the, the process and the no freedom from the subatomic particles, the chaos element, you put them together, you're not going to get freedom magically. You're just going to get a jumbled up mess where you can't, where strict determinism necessarily doesn't apply, where I, I couldn't necessarily tell you, even with all the knowledge in the universe, what you're going to be saying or thinking in, in 10 years. But um, it's still, there's no freedom in it. It just wouldn't be a strict deterministic universe. And uh, how this applies to God, I'm I'm, I'm sorry. uh, Terry, you raise a good question because basically, in a certain sense, it defies logic. In other words, like, if we're going to, like, stretch the, the causal chain back to before the Big Bang and keep stretching it back, you know, at a certain point, logic breaks down because at a certain point, we don't know if there was a beginning to everything or if everything goes back eternally into the past, never stops going back. I think to my mind, neither make complete sense because if we posit a beginning, we have to say, well, wait a minute, how did it get there? And if we posit you know, an endless regression into the past, we, we have to like ask, well, wait a minute, you know, how, how could it just, like, it must have started at some point. So, all right, so Chandler, back, bringing this back to um, God, how could we, you know, how could we, in any logical sense, though, say that causality does not apply to God? It would seem like if causality applies to everything in the universe, human beings, you know, stars, planets, etc., it would have to also apply to God. Yeah, well, see, here's the interesting part is God in these religions is always defined as the first cause of everything. Everything comes from God. That means the law of causality had to come from God. So that's what's bizarre about it is it's hard to make sense out of this. Um, And what we're saying is that causality is the fundamental law of nature that that overpowers even God. So God doesn't have a free will. And like um, and like Derek was saying, randomness doesn't give you a free will because if something's truly random, you still can't control it. You don't choose it. And so um, God could not choose what randomly happens or choose what deterministically happens so yeah so i see how this will help people not blame god for those who believe in god you know for atheists it doesn't make any difference but for people who believe in god it helps them not be angry at god but then they're just angry at the infinite causal regress i guess yeah and chandler i guess the other point with that is like i think this this idea of God being the first cause may not be logical. You know, in, in other words, like, you know, if God created the world. You know, God was like, you know, and then like, then you have to ask yourself, well, wait a minute. Like, if God was the first cause of reality, was God also the first cause of God? You know, <laughs> and so like, God's causal sweet. <laughs> right. And, and the other part is like relate this to any kind of moral decision. Let's say God is the first cause of reality. and He he decides to create evil. Now, there's got to be a reason why, you know, morality 
you know, by definition, you know, has to have um, some kind of ethical principle to guide it. So, like, you know, if we're positing a first cause that God just decided to create evil and goodness, whatever, we would have to come up with, you know, some kind of, like, you know, rationale as to how, you know, why would he do this? Um, all right, so, like, let's let's take a different tack. tack. Derek, um, a lot of people don't like to believe that... Um, that we don't have a free will because like, you know, in a certain sense, we're like puppets, we're robots, we're computers, you know, nothing's up to us. But from a theological standpoint, how would, how does the argument sound that, well, because we're not manifesting our human will because we don't have a free will, then obviously we have to be manifesting God's will. In other words, we're going through our days, not just not doing what we want to do. We're going through our days doing what God wants us to do. How do you think that would resonate with religious people? I think it would resonate. I mean, I personally think it would resonate well because that is essentially what's happening. I mean, I do want to point out that, you know, God in this conversation, God for me is just universe, universe, uh, law the science behind everything because uh, you know i don't believe in god personally but i do like to think about it and um yeah no um i think it's good to think about for someone who is christian or someone who any religion really that believes in any kind of deities that these deities themselves i mean if they are in reality even if they aren't in our universe which i mean this is the only universe i know about personally but even if they're in uh, any sort of reality even if they have a toe in reality they uh they still, uh, the gods adhere to these basic uh, principles of logic of just either being causal or random because that truly is the scale. I, I would challenge anybody to think of something, you know, happening that's not, you know, some sort of process, randomness, or a mixture of those things. And um, the the whole gods will, you know, t uh, sorry, uh, going... Uh, living out God's will or whatever, that, that is essentially what they're doing. I mean, if God did get the ball rolling, if he hit, you know, the, the cue ball into the, uh, you know, hit the, on the pool table, then yeah, that they're basically, uh, you know, they're the two, they're the three, they're the four, and they're going to roll and they're going to bounce on the walls and they're going to hit the other balls and whatever, you know, it's like everything's affecting everything. It's a very complex, like, um, it's a very complex, uh, equation, you know, that spider webs, uh, all these points kind of clash into each other. So, it's to think about it as like a straight line, like an A to B is wrong. You have to think about it like A to B, A to C, A to D, and so on, so forth, all the letters, and they all kind of intertwine with each other. So, yeah, I mean, uh, essentially it is. that That is what's happening. If you do want to believe, you know, God and uh, deities, and yeah, you are basically living out. If they actually do know what's going to happen, if they did get the ball rolling, then yeah, you're you're living out their will, essentially. And uh, you could even be uh, an expression, I guess, a thought, um, one one expression for some kind of greater meaning on on their uh, scale that I don't I don't know about. I don't know. Maybe I'm not sure. I don't right. know. All right. So, Derek, but yeah, you bring up, a, 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 you know, the point being that even the gods, even God is constrained by the laws that God creates. And so, like, yeah, so, like, you know, again, like, we're manifesting God's will. Chandler, how does that sound to you? In other words, let, let's say, to use an analogy, a, a real-world analogy, let's say, you know, the president, President Obama, like, calls you up and says, like, you know, Chandler, this is what I want you to do for me today. I want you to do this, that, and that, and that. 
do you think that that day would have a bit more significance to you than the other days where you're just just doing what like other what people want you to do or what you want to do? I mean, do, do you think that would resonate with with uh, religious people? Well, first of all, if Ob if I was working for Obama, that would be really depressing. <laughs> but I don't want to get into that right now. But yeah, well, so here's the interesting thing about it is, I understand that I'm always forced to do what other people want me to and for me back when I did believe in God I always believed as God as God is just one more person like God is a person that wants me to do this but what my mother wants me to do or what my bosses at high V might want me to do might be different so I guess I I'm still I'm still having a hard time not believing in a personal God anymore but even trying to make sense of what you're saying here because it doesn't seem to me that God has a will because to say God has a will, well, then God has to be to have a position on each political issue, on each moral situation. God has to have a have a belief or an opinion about that thing. And so that's what I'm trying to do. Like I'm unable to personify God um, because it would seem that if there was one, then it would be. He, he, she, it would be completely ambivalent, not caring at all what happens. Okay, you know, I, I understand that reasoning. But again, we're, we're trying to kind of like come up with an argument that will allow the, the 80, 90 percent of, of spiritual, you know, theists, whatever, in the United States to, to come to terms with it. And, you know, I, I hope... That, that just like, you know, manifesting the will of whether we call it God or the universe would resonate better with them. Um, guys, um, do you guys want to do like another episode after this where we go into the physics of, um, of why free will is impossible? Because we can wrap this up in a few minutes and start a new um, podcast. Do you guys have time or? Um, yeah, we might be able to do that. Yeah, see, it looks I like. Have a... Hold on, Derek. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just going to say I have, I have about a half an hour starting now. Half an hour? All right. Um, then let, let's let's end this episode now and, and start the next one, okay? Um, I, before we finish this one, since we're only about 27 minutes, um, I had a few things more to say. Um, see, I totally get the intention behind what George is saying, like, you know, how can we make this um, easy to accept for these religious people? I, I, so I get the idea that it's good. The problem is I don't think it's logically possible to reconcile, um, to reconcile the evil in the world with a personal God at all that cares. And so I think that's the issue. But nonetheless, it is true that we don't have a free will regardless. And so, yes, I agree that in our next episode, we need to focus more on that. And later on, we'll probably have to revisit the topic of how we can make this appeal to the religious crowd. Well, that sounds great. All right, Derek, thanks. Chandler, thanks. So thanks we'll be back with another episode of Free Will, Science and Religion th soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for watching. Okay.